0: Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a beautiful, lovely, wonderful soul with me. I had the pleasure of being on her roundtable recently, ladies' roundtable, and she is such a pleasure, and she's such a strong, independent, loving female. So, Miss Julia, welcome to the show. How are you, my dear?
1: I'm great. Thank you, Janet. I'm just thrilled to be here, be part of the deplorable nation.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited that uh, you're joining me because you have such a beautiful story. I mean, it's a sad story, but it's a beautiful story because of everything that has come out of that journey for you. And so that's one of the things I love about life is getting to talk to people um, who have stories like yours to let people know that you can always overcome situations Mm -hmm. and whatever you're going through. So first off, um, I want to ask you about your podcast, my dear. So tell everybody what it is and why you decided to start it.
1: I have the Cosmic Beach podcast and I do a little bit of everything I do conspiracy theories paranormal supernatural anything you're into I kind of cover it all true crime uh, <laughs> Bigfoot dogman you know uh, space is fake all of that good stuff. <laughs> Um, and I started it because me and my mom were big paranormal. We thought we were investigators and we watched all the ghost shows and stuff. And we would just stay up all night talking about, um, is there more after we die or where do we right. go? Is, is there only one way to get there? Do you have to be a Christian? And we would just go back and forth with each other. And she loved, she was a Scorpio. That was like right up her alley. <laughs> she could do that all night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so after she passed, I didn't really have anybody to talk to you about that kind of stuff. So I would listen to podcasts
2: mm-hmm.
1: and One time I went on a podcast just to talk about my paranormal stories and some crazy stuff that had happened in my family. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to start my own podcast. Mm -hmm. And I have met so many absolutely incredible people like yourself from podcasting. And it's like an outlet. Right. It's fulfilling I feel like I have like a community of people who, mm-hmm. you know, you you don't get to choose your biological family, but you can choose your friends and you can choose like your spirit and soul tribe and your, the your
0: additional you, family,
1: right? People <laughs> who you want to see every day, right? Which is a lot of the people that I've met podcasting because we all love the same stuff. We're very supportive of each other, right? And I, I. Don't think I could go without it at this point. I'm like addicted to it.
0: (laughs) So do you think um, that it's kind of therapeutic for you?
1: It really is because before the whole podcast thing started up for me, I would just call my mom or talk to my mom or we'd watch documentaries together and then we'd discuss our opinions about the documentary. And then after she passed away, I was so lonely and right. so lonely for those kind of conversations, mm-hmm. and so the podcast and like getting to bring guests on stuff I haven't even ever heard before, and I was like, "Yes, this is what I was missing is like that companionship." Not, I'm married, but he he's not into all this stuff. Like <laughs> this. sometimes <laughs> I would just, and he looks
0: at you apartment. like what?
1: <laughs> yeah, he was like you nuts. <laughs> Do not say that in front of my mom. And I was like, "Okay, I'm sorry." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's cool to just be with like minded people.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I love it too. The community is, it, like you said, very supportive of each other. And the people, oh my God, the people I have met are just phenomenal I know you know and it's not just podcasters it's it's even people who listen to the shows mm-hmm. or you know somebody I'll hear on somebody else's show that that's just a you know a normal average everyday person and that's kind of um where I decided to take my show is talking to regular people I'm not knocking anybody who does this, but some people it's like only interview authors or, you know, famous Mm -hmm. musicians or whatever. I just like people's stories. yes, (laughs) Like the kind of stories I get from people at the grocery store that I meet. (laughs) Right.
1: Because I'm disillusioned with the whole, you have to be somebody to be somebody thing. Like, Oh, you only have 200 followers on instagram i can't have you on my show
2: Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: could it be the best interview you ever did
0: a hundred percent
1: could be a forever friend you just made by just taking the time to listen to somebody who people are sleeping on those are the best kind of interviews nobody's discovered them yet you discovered them amen (laughs) amen
0: that's my favorite <laughs>
1: they have to be a YouTube, Insta famous, or else I'm not going to talk to them. I'm the exact opposite because I'm a nobody. Who the fuck uh, am I? Same. A You're a nobody. Who am I? <laughs> same. Team of things.
0: And you know what's so funny about that is, um like, I was scrolling through Instagram one day, and this is before I ever knew Ellie, and I saw a story that she posted. And I was like, immediately I'm, you know, sending her an instant message and I'm like, oh my God, you have to come on my show. Like Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you. And now she's like my best friend. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Yes. And it's so funny. Just, just the randomness of, you know, just happened to like, somebody shares a reel with me or, you know, something. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I I have to talk to this person and and we all still communicate, which I think is beautiful.
1: Yes, I do too. Soul sisters.
0: Yes, absolutely. For life, darling, Mm -hmm. for life. And Mm -hmm. I have to say about you, I am so tickled pink um, that I got to not only meet you, but to be on your show Um, with two other just absolutely beautiful human beings that I love both of them dearly. And I have to say um, that was probably the most fun I have had on a panel show.
1: (laughs) I love doing it because when you get, uh, and and it's not to say that there aren't a lot of shows who do a round table that are really Mm -hmm. popular. A lot of people like those, but if you mix them, the males and the females together,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I I tend to take a back seat because right. they just start going at it they're talking mm-hmm. about stuff and I'm just like okay I feel a little intimidated or I don't feel like they're going to hear me if I even try to speak cuz they're talking so loud and so I just kind of take a back seat but what I wanted to create is like women in general have like this nurturing like no you right. go first oh sorry to interrupt you Kind of thing. So we we respect each other's time. Right. You know, like if I was about to say something and you were like, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't even have to say anything. We just do it naturally.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, number one, I think it's a beautiful idea because most of the roundtable shows are men or men. mainly men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have been able to, you know, guest on a on a couple but it's it's so different when it's just and I don't mean this the wrong way toward men because I love men I Um, love men too I love hot guys yeah but the just the energy that was between the four of us was such a beautiful thing and um we kicked butt
1: yes we did (laughs) yes we did we brought the fire and that's what I talk about like that uh that fire, the passion right. and the fulfillment. It's like getting mm-hmm. to talk to other girls who are into the same stuff as I, that are like, which we're, is we're rare. Not, oh, right. So mm-hmm. we're not sitting here talking like the TikTok girls with their little fake conspiracies and stuff. They're right. trying to get, they're like clout chasers. They don't even know anything about conspiracies, but they know it's a cool thing right now. So they'll right. post it. We're really in the trenches. Right.
0: <laughs> And it was such an in-depth conversation that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I think we looked at everything from so many different angles and, and it's beautiful. So Mm -hmm. um, where can people check that out at or have you posted it yet?
1: I'm posting it. My, I do my all girls round table um, every first of the month. So even if that falls on a third or whatever, whatever that first thursday or monday is of the month so it'll be november 3rd awesome you can check out our episode and i'm pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts apple spotify you name it iHeartRadio. and then i have my instagram which is cosmic.peach.podcast i just spout off at the mouth people so <laughs> don't follow if you're timid or soft-hearted or <laughs> I, I just be posting
0: Or if things um, hurt your feelings.
1: Right. Yes. (laughs) Don't follow me to get offended. Follow me if you're on my level. You know what
0: I mean? Uh, Follow her to be enlightened. How about that? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And if you leave a nasty comment, you're going to get toasted. Because I just don't have time (laughs) to convince people. It's almost like they seek things out like what we do to become offended. And I'm not about that. Why did you seek us out to listen to this if you're going to, you know, you're going to be offended by something we have to say.
0: You know, I think, um, because that happens a lot with me, because I'm very non-PC, I'm very vocal,
2: mm-hmm. and and of
0: course, I have a lot of people that get offended, and I'm like, sounds like a you problem, not a me problem, because mm-hmm. if something I said set you off, then there's something inside of you that's not right. So. Yeah, you
1: triggered them. You triggered yeah. something inside of them that, so when you hear truth, it actually provokes an emotion and it could Mm -hmm. be either for me when i hear something that's awe inspiring truth Mm -hmm. bomb i get like the chills i'm like ooh, like (laughs) wow that really resonated some people hear something they're like i just got so fucking pissed Oh
0: exactly. I
1: just don't <laughs> in it. and it's like that can't be real. These crazy people out here where do you get your information? This. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? Fact check me. Exactly. Fact check
0: me. And and the one of my big pet peeves is when people are like, Well, can you uh can you tell me exactly where you found that information at? Um, we live in a world of technology where it is literally at your fingertips everywhere you go, even in McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are too lazy to use your fingers to type or your toes or your tongue or whatever you need mm-hmm. to type with, that's not my problem.
1: Yeah. And a lot of the stuff <clears throat> that we talk about, it's a, it's a Google away mm-hmm. and th- then you start you find one piece of, of information that's true. And then you start going, oh, well, maybe that other thing I heard was true. Mm-hmm. Then you look that up. Oh, well, there's yep. an article right there that says that. And then you start. I, I'm i just the vessel for truth. Okay. Exactly. I'm not a human being, but I'm not sitting here making shit up. I just right. want to get that out right now. I don't make shit up. I research it and then I bring it on my show. I didn't make it true. Right. I'm not the bad guy. You know, I'm trying to expose the bad guy.
0: You're the bad guy because you said something that offended me. Right. Oh, my Lord. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what offends me? Pedophiles. You know what offends me? <laughs> Lies in the media. You know what offends me? People sleeping on this shit. Mm-hmm. So, our you know, government. I'm the bad guy.
0: Dr. Fauci, mm. Joe Biden. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So my dear, I want you to tell me about your story and start like in the beginning, like how you grew up, where you grew up being a part of.
1: Yes. Okay. So, um, my grandparents were very devout in their faith. Uh, we were Pentecostal and, um, they grew up in the holler of Kentucky. I'm talking dirt floors, no mm-hmm. electricity, no running water. If they wanted something to eat, they had to grow their own food or they had to like get a chicken or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, they really only ate a lot of vegetables and stuff. Cause you had to buy chickens, you had to buy cows and, you right. know, so they, they really just ate whatever they had. And, um, baloney for them was like a treat that was like a fancy thing like oh I had a piece of baloney so Mm -hmm. literally poor and um, my grandpa ends up getting saved at this little pop-up tent revival on the side of a road and I don't know how he ended up there but he just wandered into this little tent revival he was saved and he was like that's it this is my calling this is what I'm gonna do and he picked everything up my my grandma my mom and her sisters and he was like we're gonna move out of the hauler I'm gonna get a job at a factory and we're gonna just start a new life so they moved from Kentucky to the Cleveland Ohio area because it was booming like a lot of factory jobs a lot of stuff going on so he was able to kind of get on his feet and once he had the financials he was like Building a church. That's number one priority. I'm going to build my own church. And so from scratch, he built with his own hands a church and a little house right beside it in case anybody needed anything. They had no excuse. They knew exactly where he was. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: it was an open door policy. You never knew like who you were going to see at my grandparents' house. You needed a meal. Come to our house. You need somewhere warm to stay. Come to our house. And it was really like I would just go over there and multiple of my family members would be there just sitting on the couch watching TV or, you know, having something to eat because it was that type of family unit. You don't mm-hmm. really see that anymore.
0: No, not at all.
1: Like you have to call someone before you go over their house or you'll scare them to death nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can't even you you have to call them from the driveway. Like, can I approach the front door? don't shoot (laughs) right so and it was totally different for me as a kid um but my mother and her sister and my aunts sang in the church they were crazy powerhouse like could blow the roof off of it just incredible and my mom loved singing in the church but she was like i can also sing Reba so she was in a country music band (laughs) too and so she was like church by day bar by night (laughs) and she would like go hang up her choir robe and then get her cowgirl boots out kind of a thing and that's how she met my dad and my dad was a insane guitarist like Incredibly talented, and they ended up meeting and falling in love because it was like that similar interest thing. It's like, oh, you're in a country music band and you're singing and you're super talented. And it's like, oh, yeah, me too. So they kind of combined forces and mm-hmm. started like this huge country band that would go over all over Cleveland and do um, dance halls and parties and all kinds of stuff. And um, they got married. My mom was 40 when she finally had me and she already had two kids who were grown up and out of the house my sister was 18 when I was born and my brother was 16 so whatever reason she wanted to start (laughs) over at 40 years old will forever be a mystery but while she was pregnant with me oh and her tubes were tied
0: it was the universe telling her this is what you're going to do.
1: I mean it had to have been. Yeah. And they they fucked something up in the surgery when she got her tubes untied and only one side was able to be reattached and the other side they tried to like put a little plastic piece in there to connect the tubes and she was like, "Oh, it's never going to work. Here I am." I mean, my bread's probably not all the way cooked, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the world will never be the same. Now, she was pregnant with me and my dad got into a massive car accident. I mean, they crushed the car. My dad was in like a tin can. It was just totally smashed from the front to the back, just smashed. And um someone ended up dying in that car wreck his brother was in the car as well and he got all screwed up but they actually hit my dad on his side so he was the most screwed up i'm talking like bolts in his back Mm -hmm. and he was, was spine fractured glass in his face and in his eyes like everything was screwed and He actually had multiple procedures done on his back and they would take like the old bolts out and like put new bolts in Mm -hmm. and he would show me these bolts that they took out of his back. And I was just like, oh my God, they were like this big. I may have those in
0: my back as well.
1: (laughs) So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it has Mm -hmm. like the little plate. Yep. And then like the four screws. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's what he had um all kind of hardware really and sometimes if he cried really hard little tiny pieces of glass would be in his tears like it was that severe like he just never was able to fully recover Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: the biggest turning point was he went to the doctor and they gave him pain pills as many as he wanted cuz they realized he was fucked off and mm-hmm. he was probably in a lot of pain so they pre- they pretty much were like how many do you want 120 Percocet? here you go mm-hmm. or like and he would run out before it was even time to go back to the doctor it was just ridiculous uh he abused them horribly and it was just never enough for him
0: and so, so how how old was he when this happened to him
1: he was 20 20- no i'm sorry he was 38 my mom was a little bit older than him
0: and and she was pregnant when this Mm -hmm. happened yes oh boy so
1: i never really knew him as like this like the the guy who played guitar in a country band i didn't know that him i knew Mm -hmm. him when he was sober but he was still kind of in pain kind of Mm-hmm. But I mostly only ever saw him high off his ass. And what he ended up doing was filing for disability, quit his job. And because he did that, we could no longer afford our bills or our mortgage or anything. So they took our house. They took everything, which landed my mother with me, one years old, and my dad in a trailer park. And my grandpa still had the church everything was going on I grew up in the church we all grew up in the church but mm-hmm. my grandpa wasn't the kind of guy that would be like oh you're in financial trouble let me bail you out right he would never have done that he would be right. like if you go 50 maybe I'll meet you 50 and then we can see about helping you financially but if I don't see that you're not helping yourself I'm not going to help you right and my dad was doing nothing to help himself
2: mm-hmm.
1: whatsoever. So we're in Cleveland, Ohio in a trailer park. My dad high all the time. And my mom was trying to work part time. So she could still be at the house with me because she was worried if she left for a full time job, like what's going to happen to me? Right. Because obviously she couldn't trust him to watch me. He might fall asleep or get high or let me wander around outside in the neighborhood and get kidnapped like god only knows Mm -hmm. but even the days that she would work even if it was for like a six-hour shift he didn't feed me he didn't make sure like there was nothing going on i mean i really took care of myself i knew how to use the microwave i knew how to take a bath by myself like i was doing it all and when my mom would get home She'd be like, what did you and dad do? And I would tell on him. And I'd be like, he did nothing. He Mm -hmm. was sleeping the whole time. I did everything for myself. Mm -hmm. And she was worried about that. But there was little to nothing she could do until I got old enough to start going to school. And then she worked while I was at school. So she didn't have to worry about me being at home alone.
0: So did he, um, like during this period of time, was he like wanting you to do things for him too? He would like, like make me a sandwich or get me whatever.
1: He would do this thing where he would just disappear. He never asked us to do anything for him. Like, oh, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. My mom would just do it without him asking. Mm-hmm. But and I think she kind of had like a Stockholm's thing at one point. But like when it was just me and him, he'd mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to go get something to eat by, which was code for I'm going to go get drugs And then I wouldn't see him till the next day. Right. And um, there were a lot of times like that. And he just slowly kept like going farther down the hole.
0: So you were by yourself a lot then, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, I have an older brother and sister, but they had their own families at that point. Like my sister got married at 18 Mm -hmm. and moved in with her husband. And my brother was like always with friends or lived in an apartment with his friends. And he wasn't worried about like what was going on at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we didn't really talk about the situation with my dad because we were kind of embarrassed of it, to be honest with you.
0: I can understand that.
1: um, My grandpa gets dementia or Alzheimer's, and he can't reside over the church anymore. Right. And that he gets put in a nursing home, and then my grandma develops dementia, and she gets put in a nursing home, and they pretty much take all of the assets. That's
0: church, yeah.
1: house, cars, everything. And uh, they left us with pretty much nothing. I think I have like one of my grandma's necklaces that I'll mm-hmm. try to forever and like one of her little coffee cups.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we did move in there for a while, which is where all the paranormal stuff started happening to us. That's another episode. But because
0: um, <laughs> it's a lot.
1: <laughs> right. It's too much. We're focusing on one timeline here. But there so we did move in with them for a while. We pretty much got asked to leave because my dad was doing drugs all the time and he tried to kill himself while we were living at that house. And it was too much for my grandma. She was already slipping into dementia. There was no way we needed to add all that onto her in her fragile state. So we were kind of just like asked to leave by other family members like, hey, you guys go on and go. We'll move in because mama does not need to be around all that negativity. And we were like, "Okay, back to the trailer park. They end up passing away and the nursing home takes everything. And um, I was in the first grade and my dad just had this thing where he would either be high all the time or gone all the time or suicidal. And my sister had moved to Kentucky with her husband for his work. And we get a call from her and she's like, why don't you just wipe the slate clean? Move to Kentucky. I'll help you find somewhere to live. I'll help you find a job. He's on disability. So it doesn't matter where he is. Mm -hmm. And we'll put Julie in like Mm -hmm. a really good school and it'll just be like a clean slate and a fresh start and we'll get him help. You know, we'll try to. So we just packed up everything in the trailer and moved to Kentucky And all we really could find with the finances was another trailer park. It was a little bit nicer of a trailer park, but it was still that same type of like, oh, that guy probably is the drug dealer or Mm -hmm. that guy probably is giving him pills or it was just that kind of environment. Right. And I remember the first time I came home and he was like overdosed as hell, just in the floor, just seized up, vomiting on himself, everything. I was in second grade. And he probably, over my lifetime, had tried to kill himself upwards of maybe a hundred times. And he just has never... Like, I I don't know what keeps this man on this earth. He has made legitimate attempts on his own life at least a hundred times.
0: What did that do to you and your little child mind when you were growing up I
1: honestly was so oblivious to the this not being normal because it was all I ever knew from him it was almost expected at one point like oh dad will be high can't have friends come over and spend the night with me from school because I don't want him to see where I live and I don't want him to see my dad And I didn't know that was abnormal until I started getting a little bit older and going to other friends' house and seeing, like, Mm -hmm. their family dynamic. And I was like, wow, your dad's, like, really nice, and he sleeps in the same bed as your mom, and he's um, building you forts in the backyard. Like, I didn't know anything (laughs) about that. Like, I was – a appalled really I was like dads do that stuff all I knew is like my dad only would sleep in the recliner or on the couch he never slept right. in the bed with my mom N- sometimes wasn't even home at night and so definitely wasn't building me a fort <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so right um yeah so while we were in Kentucky he tried to jump off a bridge he tried to drive his car off the bridge um mm-hmm. and I For some of your listeners may know this town in Kentucky is called Somerset, Kentucky, and there was this old ass bridge a million miles up in the air, and it was it would sway when you drove over it. It was that Mm -hmm. old, like it was scary as hell, (laughs) and they they never passed. Well, they eventually tore it down and built, like, a really good brand new bridge, like, right next to it. And right. thank God, because it would literally, you'd be like, oh, I hope I don't die today on my way to work, because I have to go over this <laughs> fucking rickety-ass
0: bridge. I would not. I would find another way, even if it took me oh an God. hour all the way.
1: <laughs> it was so scary. And he tried to drive off of that bridge, which was worse, because it was two lanes. And it was such a skinny bridge. I was like, if he goes off, he's going to kill other people. Because there's no way if he goes off, there aren't going to be cars that fall after him.
0: That's awful.
1: So the police were called and everything that time.
0: So how was your mom with all of this? With him like never being you know, like not at home at night, always sleeping in the chair or on the couch and the Attempted suicides. She, I mean, she had to be emotionally just.
1: I mean, exhausted. and you're a Scorpio. So you oh, yeah. know, like, emotions run deep.
0: <clears throat> oh, yeah, 100%.
1: And so, what I feel like she did was channel all of that energy mm-hmm. into me. Right. She made everything so magical for me. Like, she would go over and beyond Christmas's birthday, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Anything I wanted, like she would work double shifts, 18 hour shifts to make sure I got that one little toy I wanted for Christmas. Like she, instead of focusing on what was wrong with our home life, like with my dad and her marriage and Mm -hmm. she put it all into me, choir, band. I remember I came home from like third or fourth grade and I said, mom, I really want to be in the band. But I I have to buy my own instrument. And this woman worked like a slave for weeks so she could buy me a secondhand flute. And I, I mean, looking back on it, I was really excited to have the flute, but I didn't know what it meant to my mom for her to have gotten me that flute. Right. But she, that's what I say. Like, if you work 18 hour shifts, you're not worried about like where my dad is you know or how right. high he is or where he's getting drugs from because you're like i need to take care of my kid mm-hmm. and we're well, broken i'm gonna make it happen
0: and two i think um in that situation because uh like uh my parents were not drug addicts but i was married to one mm. um <clears throat> and it got to the point where i'm like okay i don't give a shit where he's at i don't give a shit what he's doing Because Mm -hmm. my daughter is the focus. So I completely get what your mom did. Because that's exactly what happened with me too.
1: Yes. She poured it all into me. And she knew what was going on with my dad. And she was unhappy. She would say like, I love your dad. But like you'll understand when you're older kind of thing. And it was really because she was terrified of being alone. Mm -hmm. And being financially responsible for herself and me without his disability check. And Mm -hmm. he also had sued the guy who hit him, I think, in the car. And he got, like, a huge settlement. But um, he never let us touch that shit. He was using (laughs) it
0: for drugs. I was going to say, I know where that was was going. like, this
1: fantasy that we had that extra money. And if she left, what would happen, you know? So she was... Scared of a few things, and she also being raised in the church was like, we don't you believe don't do in divorce. Yeah, we have to stick it through and and help that person figure themselves out, and maybe they'll go to the Lord and be redeemed or. And that mm-hmm. just never happened for my dad, but she always had like that little bit of hope. Cause that's how we were raised is like, you don't right. be divorced. You don't leave your. <clears throat> so there was a lot of layers to like, a lot of people say, why didn't she just sleep? I was like Stockholms for one. She loved right. him, but she just couldn't see past like his, whatever. She knew it was a sin to like get divorced and she didn't want to be on her own and, uh, lot of things
0: she probably was hoping too that you know that he would get better and that Mm -hmm. you know that glimmer hope that things will change and and he'll go back to you know the old way that he was before he got injured
1: i'll tell you what did it for her every now and again when he was sober he would crack open his guitar case and he would just sing to her And Mm -hmm. they would sing together and he'd play guitar and it was just like when they met. And I feel like that was enough for her sometimes to be like, this is why I did this. Mm -hmm. This is why I wanted to have a baby with him and get married and like, this is who I married. And it was like those little glimmers for her that was like, I do love him.
0: Right. And that, and that person, knowing that person is still in there somewhere. Mm -hmm.
1: I know. And that's what she used to say, too. She was like, you didn't see your dad how he used to be. And
0: right.
1: a lot of people ask me, like, where where I get, like, my sense of humor from. And my mom was very, very funny. But my dad is who I actually get my sense of humor from. Like, he was a comedian when he was sober. Mm-hmm. And I see why she wanted to be with him. Mm-hmm. But it was just, like... You know, he got to the point where all he would eat was like cookies or like these fish things in a tin can and it was so gross but like he'd either eat candy like like
0: sardines.
1: It was it was called kipper snacks.
0: Oh, kipper snacks. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he <laughs> I was just know what those all are. he would eat. <laughs> Fucking kipper snacks. But... Yeah,
1: or marshmallow candy, something sweet and he got diabetes.
2: Oh yeah, from obviously. Doing this. Yeah.
1: And that was just another thing for him to abuse because sometimes we would come home and he would be like, I'm just going to kill myself. And he would have injected himself like 50 times with that little clicky pin where you have to like dial it and then like click it. And he would just do that like 50 times and just be in a diabetic coma. Didn't kill him. But here we are at the hospital again. 911 again.
0: You know, there's obviously some reason That he is still here with all the attempts and, and whatever. God is saving him for some kind of purpose.
1: Something. Because Mm -hmm. it it was never ending. And we lived in Kentucky with him doing this until I was in uh, ninth grade. I was a freshman in high school and he started getting really bad. And the last one that he tried was, I'm going to drive my car off the bridge So we left my sister in Kentucky and we moved back to Cleveland because we were so sure if we went back to Cleveland and he was closer to his family, like my grandma, his mom, and like his family members, maybe if they saw what he was doing, maybe that they could get through to him or something. So we were like, okay, we'll just move back to Cleveland then. And of course, nothing changed. It got even worse. And at that point, I'm in high school and I don't want to go to school because I know there is a 50-50 chance I'm going to come home to a dead corpse
2: mm-hmm.
1: or him in some various stage of overdose. Right. Shitting himself, pissing himself, vomiting on himself. My mm-hmm. mom's at work. I don't I got to call nine-one-one. I was so sick of that, that I would just be like, I don't care if I know how to do algebra. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck about school when I have this at home. And I was super depressed because in high school, you're kind of developing your personality a little bit. Mm
2: -hmm. And I was
1: like, I'm not going to be anything. Look at my, I live in a trailer park with a drug addict dad and my mom who's just working part-time, barely can get by. What is, what am I going to do? I'm going to mm-hmm. work at a gas station. I'm uh, right. maybe I'll go to a trade school and like do hair. something. not that there's anything wrong with doing hair. Cause I did do hair eventually, but I just did. I, there was nothing in me that wanted to push forward or be motivated. So right. I just wouldn't go to school. My mom didn't make me go to school because I would just look at her and be like, mom, I promise you, if you make me go to school, I'm going to leave in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. I don't care about school. Right. So I fell into a bunch of kids who were in doing drugs and stuff. And, um, I realized that I was becoming my worst nightmare. Mm
0: -hmm. I was
1: becoming my father and, um, It kind of shook me into reality a little bit. Because I was becoming the thing that I hated most. And I wouldn't hang out with them anymore. But I still wasn't going to school. So this is something I have never told anyone. Just for you, Janet. The truancy officer gave us a notice. I had to show up to court. So me and my mom show up to court and she knows if she tells them what's going on, why right. I don't want to go to school, they'll take me away. Right. So we got together and made up a lie story that we were going to tell the judge so I wouldn't get taken away. And they believed it. But mm-hmm. I would go back to school for a f- few weeks and then I'd stop again. And so they issued like almost like a warrant for me. Mm -hmm. Because I stopped going to the court appearances and I stopped going to school and they literally put out like a warrant for my, I don't know, not arrest. I wasn't doing a crime, but I was like going to go to juvenile delinquent or whatever they call it. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know this and I was out doing drugs. Um, Police officers stopped us. I was obviously like 16 at the time. They pull up my name. Boom. I I, they're taking me in because I haven't been going to school and nobody knew where I was the judge her name was Judge Edie and I'll never forget this bitch she looked right in my eye and she was like you are going to jail and I was like how am I going to go to jail and I'm 16 years old and there's literally kids that I was standing right next to doing drugs and they're not going to jail I'm going to jail but they're not Mm -hmm. going to jail but I had that frame of mind where I was like, "Everybody's out to get me," kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I have, n- there's nothing I'm doing that's wrong. So I'm I sure to- if
0: I'm sure it felt like everybody was out to get you it at that did. time was, emotionally.
1: Yeah, because you can do drugs, but you still have to go to school. Apparently, that's the caveat. <laughs> <laughs> you can smoke weed, you can do whatever, but as long as you're still showing up to class, it's cool.
0: Hey, maybe nowadays, uh, getting really stoned out of your mind before you go to school might be a good idea. It might be. I
1: never had any issues with weed, you know? But they were actually still going to school where I wasn't. So I had to go. I got locked up. And they did the whole, you know, juvenile thing. It was called the Donahoe Center. And they stripped me down and put me in my jumpsuit, took my mugshot and all that and i was in there for like a month and i didn't learn shit because <laughs> they would uh they would let us have like recreational time or whatever and i would be with all the other girls they were my age and the little whatever and we get to watch tv or play a game whatever they let us do and they would all start laughing and i would be telling jokes and stuff and the guard would come by and she'd be like of course, we have the comedian over here. And she was like, I was in jail. <laughs> I was still like, I couldn't take anything seriously. I was just like joking and laughing. And they were <laughs> like, you're not learning anything, are you? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. You think this is jail? You should see where I came I, from. I, I was mean, just going
0: to say, this is this is a fucking vacation for me. <laughs>
1: right. I was like, you guys are going to bring me peanut butter sandwiches and let me run around in the gym. (laughs) There'll be food. (laughs)
2: I was like, you think this is funny?
1: (laughs) Um so they let me out and they wanted to put me on like antidepressants. And I was like, that's funny because you just said how funny and lively I was. I'm not depressed. I'm my life situation sucks. Right. But they had just released me. I go back home and the next day my dad jumped off the cliff in our backyard there was like a trailer park and then there was like a field and then the field like broke off into like this cliff and it had like a fence around it but he just like jumped over the fence and like just fell over the edge just threw himself off the edge of the cliff there was firefighters helicopters police officers I mean that trailer park was like it was lit up like Christmas. Everybody was there, and they, so what you're
0: saying is it looked like the FBI raid on Roger Stone's house.
1: Yes, worse. Or because Mar-a-Lago. Was a trailer park.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so everybody and their uncle was outside of their trailers trying to see what was happening, and it was like, no, it's just my dad trying to kill himself again. Um it was the middle of december in cleveland ohio i'm talking six cold feet as now.
0: shit yeah yes mm-hmm. like
1: negative two degrees outside <clears throat> so frigidly cold and we're all outside my dad's dangling off a tree it caught his cargo shorts and fucking was hang. he was just hanging there he was wearing shorts yes t-shirt and (laughs) shorts barefoot in december in the middle Mm. of cleveland jumped off this cliff and Mm. the tree caught him they propel down there they get him but he's got hypothermia
0: so Uh, they imagine
1: right so not only did he just try to kill himself wasn't successful the tree broke his fall Then he has hypothermia, and he's all fucked up because he's been spliced up by the trees and falling and hitting his head off rocks and stuff. And they put him in, like, this hypothermic body bag thing. Take him to the Mm -hmm. hospital. And every time he tried to kill himself, he realized if he said, like, I'm suicidal or I want to be dead or whatever, that they would put him in, like, the mental institution for a little while. And then they would release him afterward.
2: Mm -hmm. And he got
1: tired of doing that. So he would lie about why he was found in those. I accidentally over-injected myself or, like, some stupid shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But on this time, they were like, bullshit. You didn't just, oh, I was chasing a dog and I fell off the cliff and I was trying to save the dog. They were like, no, no, Um, no. And so they put him in the mental institution, but they had told us like, this is, he's going to have to be in here a while because this is extreme. This is like the 15th time he's done something like this. Right. Um, And so that's when I looked at my mom and I was like, I don't care if you're coming, but I'm leaving. I'm going to go to Oklahoma where my sister moved from Kentucky to Oklahoma in the meantime.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I said, I'm going to move to Oklahoma and I'm just going to drive there myself and I'm going to live with my sister and I'm just going to, you know, peace out, sucker. And my mom was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to fix him pretty much something along these lines. Like I'll fix right. him. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go. And I was like, I'm not going to stay here. I can't stay here. So right. I had my bags packed ready to go i had just the bare basics t-shirts shoes few personal items and um you know i think i took like some home movies i took some home movies that i wanted to keep that i didn't want anything to happen to and i loaded them in my um rust bucket pontiac (laughs) grand dam that had one squeaky wheel on the front and i was like this motherfucker better drive us so what this is what my sister had planned she was like here's what we'll do my brother was living in cleveland at the time she said he'll drive with you to oklahoma and then we'll fly him back just so in case you need to stop at a gas station, something at least you have your brother with you. Nothing will happen, and it'll make us feel better. In case you get sleepy, there's somebody to kind of wakes right. you up. And so the day comes, my brother is driving. I can see him at the front of the trailer park, and he's driving, and he's getting closer. And I looked at my mom, and I was like, "It's time to
0: now decide. or never."
1: Yeah, it's time to or get off the pot. Yes. <laughs> And she was like, I'm going. And she just went and grabbed a duffel bag and just started throwing shit in it. Mascara, uh, toothbrush, panties, whatever. Just grabbing stuff and throwing it in the bag. Pair flip flops in the bag. My brother gets up there and she just packed haphazardly. She left a lot of shit. She forgot her purse. (laughs) She had her toothbrush, her duffel bag, her t shirts but she forgot her purse. And I was like, doesn't matter. I'll get you a new phone. I'll do we were just in escape mode at that right. point. we knew if we waited till he was released, there was no leaving right So we all get in the car. it's an 18 hour drive and we just talk all the way there. We just talk to each other and it was the best trip. I just felt like I did it. I Don't ever have to look back. We're free. And my mom. Is. Was an angel. You know. She was an angel. And I was so happy. And excited for her. Because I was like. And I've always been into like the astrology and everything. So I was like, this is the real Scorpio moment where the Phoenix will rise from the ashes she's Mm -hmm. going through. And I was so proud of her. And we get to Oklahoma. We move in with my sister and my mom. She's starting to like have weird sickness. Like, I just don't feel like getting out of bed. At first, I thought she was depressed. And I was like, Mom, you ought to just go to the doctor then because, like, you haven't felt good for weeks. Mm -hmm. She goes to the doctor. I'll skip some steps. Stage three breast cancer. And um, they immediately want to do chemo, radiate, not even radiation, chemo first, surgery, then radiation.
0: Right.
2: The
1: chemo grew her tumor. Mm Mm-hmm. It was the size of an avocado pit by the time they did surgery on her. And they had to remove everything.
2: Right. There
1: was no there was That was totally off the table. And so she gets the surgery. She moves into... I, I go back to school and, you know, I, I had to first get my GED because I never finished high school. <laughs> I had to
0: go- weren't
1: going. Right. <laughs> then I went to hair school and I went and I did some like college classes and I was doing really good. So I had my own job, moved into my own place. And after she had the surgery, I took care of her. She lived with me. I paid the bills. I said, all those years you worried about money and stuff. And I was like, all you need to do is wait for me to get old enough. Now I can take care of you. And mm-hmm. I did everything for her i didn't want her to worry about a single thing halloween pumpkins everywhere ghosts i was taking her to go see movies at the movie theater she loved to go to the movies could never afford it i did everything with her you want you want red lobster tonight mom i can take you to red lobster i wanted those last few years however long she had left To be the best years of her life. Right. Cancer came back. Everywhere. Brain. Bones. There there was nothing they could do. That PET scan was like top to bottom. Cancer all over her body. Nothing they can do about it. And I just remember like. This is the time everybody talks about in their life. Where you get things right with that person. Mm -hmm. and like you say everything you need to say and um yeah she passed away and we said our goodbyes and I tried to do everything I could for her you know um and I felt like a part of me really died with my mom right but sometimes and we were so close it was like my best friend died and not only my best friend but my mom too and I was like unrecognizable after my mom died. And I was super focused on, I need a good job. I need to have my finances in order. I need to X, Y, Z to make my mom proud. Right. And I will never be that person who is going to juvenile delinquent and, and Mm -hmm. doing drugs and stuff. And I think that codependent dependent part of me died with my mom. Right. Like I needed her. Mm -hmm. And then she died, and it was like, oh, shit, I've got to stand in my own.
0: Right. Got to be your own person. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And how am I going to navigate the world? Like, I don't, I've never seen a strong woman before. I've seen my mom, who was strong, but depended a lot on financials from my dad, and I would have loved to see her just get away from him. And so I was like, how do I just be alone? Right. And I was like, I'm gonna just do it, I guess. And flash forward, I, you know, I meet my husband and we're great. And I love him so much. I met him three weeks after my mom died. And I was a whole shit show. And he was And he loved terrified. you anyway. Yes. He was not even terrified. I would have been terrified of me. Because anytime <laughs> we would drink, I'd just be like... Oh, like those ugly cries that are just like... Oh, and he was not scared at all. He was like, hey, it's cool. I know you loved your mom. Like, you'll get through it. And I was like, what are you, gay or something? <laughs> why are you so emotional (laughs) why are you being nice to me yeah because my dad was such a prick I never saw anybody like why are you being nice to me and he's just a great human being is what he is um and a lot of people tell me like Julie you have a really good job you could afford so many things and I'm like I don't give a shit how much money I have there are certain things that are totally unnecessary to have in life I grew up with nothing and I'm
0: comfortable with Barely. Bare minimum. Yeah. Oh my God. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And you know, I I just, I want to tell you like what a amazing, beautiful soul that you are because you. you had the strength for both of you to be like, okay, it's time for us to go. Mm-hmm. So that we can make something of ourselves and be something, and mm-hmm. be independent, and then taking on that responsibility of a caregiver because that is really, really difficult to do. And anybody that's never been through that before, um, it's hard for them to fathom right. what that does to you physically and and emotionally. You know, so you, you are such a, a strong and beautiful, fantastic person because when she needed you the most, you gave her everything emotionally that she needed Mm -hmm. and that she had been lacking for such a long time, you know, and I, I know I heard you say before that, um, she really liked watching like certain kind of shows oh, ghost and... shows yeah yes
1: she loved ghost shows she was a halloween queen which i just want to set the record straight i i expose a lot of dark stuff on my show
2: mm-hmm. but i
1: also love halloween because i feel like that still connects me with my mom like in right. the memory of my mom like i there are certain things i can separate like yes halloween is a dark demonic kind of a holiday But Mm -hmm. I'm not going to not celebrate it because that would be a dishonor to my mother's memory who we had so much fun together around Halloween. You Mm -hmm. know, she was like the Halloween queen, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's me paying tribute to her in a lot of ways. This podcast is Mm -hmm. me paying tribute to her. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Halloween. And again, if you're offended, you problem.
0: Well, and the funny thing about that is um, my husband would agree with you because I think he is probably with the one of the biggest Halloween fans um, I have ever known in my entire life, (laughs) but it kind of goes, kind of goes hand in hand because um, we met in October Mm -hmm. and so Uh, like halloween has always been like a thing for us yes and so like am i into like all the witches brews and potions and Mm -hmm. all that stuff no but um it's fun to decorate yes and it's fun to just have fun
1: yes i i love dressing up i love making little halloween treats and stuff Mm -hmm. and um I on purpose got married in October because I was like, it'll be great. It'll be We're like going to have a Halloween wedding. Yes. <laughs> and we got married at a haunted hotel that's downtown in Oklahoma City. It's like one of the oldest hotels. And they say, like, oh, it's a haunted. And I was like, Yes, we're gonna get married at the haunted hotel <laughs> in October, right before Halloween. And that's what we did. And I love fall. I thrive in the colder weather. I grew yeah. up in Cleveland for Christ's sake, you know.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Um Oklahoma is different because we have like really warm falls, which mm-hmm. bums me out a little bit because I kind of like to wear my scarf and might be chilly and hot cocoa, but that's all right. I love, I love that I met my husband and I'm here. I love Oklahoma for what was it's done. I going to say,
0: but- <laughs> um, you're more than welcome to make a road trip to come and see me right now, even I though I'm do- in Tennessee, it has been in the thirties at night the last she, three days
2: don't think me
1: with a good time janet you know i'll throw my underwear and a toothbrush in a bag and i will drive to your fucking house that's don't even all you me. need
0: <laughs> yes that's all you need oh my gosh we would be in so much trouble
2: mm-hmm.
0: it would be a fun time i think so it would be fun. where Where is your dad in all of this? Like, did he try to contact you guys? That's
1: a very good way to... That's a great segue, because I forgot to mention where he's at right now. He got out of the mental institute, came home to an empty trailer, didn't know where the fuck we were, and he just started calling everybody until eventually we ended up saying, like, this is what we did. We moved. And, um... He just went off the rails after that. I mean, when you leave someone to their own devices, literally,
0: right, you can imagine
1: right. he was in ruin after that. Um, met another drug addict who was a female. They started dating. Oh, Even worse. No, That's, good. Yeah. that's oh, like oh, my ex-husband.
2: My <laughs> he <Yes>. married her. <laughs>
1: yeah, he was going to marry her. He was going mm-hmm. to marry her. Until one night, they were both high, and he assaulted her. He, like, punched her in the face, cracked her ribs, broke her nose, everything. She called the police. The police came to the scene, and he pulled a gun on them. Um, oh, and Lord. so it was almost like he wanted to get, like, suicided by the police. Uh, right. But so he's in jail right now and probably will be for a while because he was – he had a gun that he wasn't supposed to have he pulled it out on police officers he was high he had drugs all over the house and um he is in jail they've had to amputate a foot from his diabetes
2: Diabetes. they've
1: had to amputate like some of his fingers i think he's got kid uh liver failure he's on dialysis uh he's got um psoriasis (laughs) i mean he's just got scabs all over him so did
0: did they get divorced ever
1: no my mom right my mom never no yeah she was still but and i don't know if these were her wishes but this is what i decided for her After Mm -hmm. she passed away, we scrubbed everything with his last name on it, including my last name. And we buried her with her maiden last name, which is Hamilton. I went through this big court process and paid all these stupid bills and stuff to get my last name changed back to Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And we'd never, we put on her obituary, Sheila Hamilton, I did all my social security card, everything. Julia Hamilton, and until I got married, obviously I changed it to my husband's last name. But right. we just totally disassociated. I don't even speak of the name; it's like a dead name.
0: Have you talked to him, or or do you think you ever will? Because um, honest, I... and I'll be honest, I don't think he'll be there that long. I mean I I, I don't with think everything that's has, going on with him I don't yeah, think, he, don't has think long. he
1: has very long my grandma called me his mom and mm-hmm. I don't I'm not very close with her either she hated my mom cuz she said the reason my dad ended up the way that he did was because of my mom in some stupid like can't she didn't never run
0: over him in a car
1: right and she wasn't Even though. she might have thought about it
2: right like
1: so stupid like he could do no wrong to her almost so she just put all the blame on my mom Mm -hmm. and she called me and she was like i just want to let you know it was after like one of his procedures or something and he's not doing very good and he's at this jail or prison wherever he's at and i kind of talked to her a little bit and then i got to thinking about it and um i forgive him i have nothing but love for him I've never not loved him, even in the thick of it. When I was miserable and depressed, not going to school, I still loved him. Mm -hmm. I was never even mad at him. I just didn't want to be around it anymore. Right. And I would love to just have that phone call, you know, where I say, like, I love you and Mm -hmm. I forgive you and I hope. You know, when it's your time to go, that mom's waiting for you and you guys reunite in the hereafter and you can have that bond again. Right. But I don't know. I I really would have to work up the balls to really make that phone call because he um, he's gotten really bitter since we did what we did and I'm he sure. said stuff about us like i hate them i hope they would go to hell and like all this so i don't even know if he'd be look forward to a phone call from me mm-hmm. but i would like to call and say i love you and i was never mad at you and mm-hmm. he used to get in these times where he'd get super high and drunk and he would just You know how they say, like, you speak a lot of true stuff when you're in that dissociated state. And he used to tell me and my mom that, like, he was sexually abused as a child, that his dad, which I never met my real grandpa, I had only ever met my step grandpa, Mm -hmm. but apparently he said, like, his dad sexually assaulted him as a child and, like, let all of his friends sexually assault him. They just, like, took turns passing my dad around. And now that we know what we know about elite pedophilia and stuff, at the Mm -hmm. time when we were hearing this from him, I didn't know if he was making it up. I didn't know. But it's more common than you think. It doesn't even have to be elite people. It's just there's sickos all over the place. Right. Like Jeffrey Dahmer. Like (laughs) normal guy, you know, but did all this stuff. So I think what happened after he got in that car accident is that that little child that never healed Mm -hmm. from the stuff that he encountered as a child, that torment. And he was so tortured as a child that he only knew how to torture other people, like Mm -hmm. broken people, break people, that whole type of thing. So he didn't know how to love because he was never loved properly Mm -hmm. and he didn't know how to be vulnerable because all he ever was was vulnerable and he had to put up this thing where it's like nobody can get to me now you know protection and I I there's nothing in me that's mad at him if anything I'm I wish I could have fixed it for him
0: so when he was doing all this when you were growing up did it remain just the pain pills or did oh, he start meth. he started everything yeah. else too
1: when he started doing meth it was really bad because he would have hallucinations
0: oh yeah it changes would, your brain chemistry bad. oh my
1: god it was so bad he would see like gnomes and he would start digging at his skin
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he would just be like there's bugs all over me and just like start yep. ripping his flesh off and it was bad,
0: you know, and it's it's awful to say, but I completely understand what you went through. Um, and it is torturous to watch somebody go through that because, like I said, my ex husband was the same, and uh, he he was doing like anything and everything under the sun, and mm-hmm. he'd be like, "Get a get a flashlight and look up my nose. There's." There's an egg up my nose, like something laid an egg in my Mm -hmm. nose or imagining worms in his scalp or digging holes in his skin or whatever. And that's why a lot of people are like, you know, you got divorced I thought you believed in God. And I'm like, God would not want me to suffer through what I have gone through uh, for such a long time. And same thing with you and your mom. That is the thing is that in this life, we are supposed to find love and eternal happiness and joy, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and to love one another. And when you're in a situation like that, where you're not getting that, that's not where you're supposed to be. It's not what you're supposed to do. And you can only do so much to quote, help or fix somebody and if they don't want your help, and if they're not prepared emotionally themselves to get that help, it'll never happen.
1: Oh, and Janet, it's exactly what you said. He didn't want us to save him. Right. He kind of enjoyed his it, life. It's
0: exactly
1: like you, you know what I'm saying. I was, know completely. Yes, yep. He wasn't unhappy with his decisions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but. It got, you know, with the fentanyl was really bad, too. So he was like mm-hmm. meth, pills, drinking, mm-hmm. uh, uh, fentanyl patches, just anything mm-hmm. he could get his hand, Xanax, just right. whatever. And he would say, like, there's a snake in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at my throat and it'll come up and there's a snake. And mm-hmm. honest to God, sometimes I feel like when you do meth, you open yourself up for almost like walk-in demon possession. Uh
0: hundred thousand percent agree with that because not only what I saw with my ex-husband but what I have seen throughout my nursing career with patients yes. who do that and of course I grew up in Indiana so I grew up um, in an area that was like the meth capital of, oh. <laughs> of the United States.
1: Yeah I'm, I'm sure yeah. Cleveland is a good rival but yeah I'll and I was just like
0: it. Uh, You know, the, the things and the, and the like pure evil that Mm -hmm. people who do meth do. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, and think about this. um, Like if you've ever taken an antidepressant or know anybody that's ever taken an antidepressant, like how, how hard it is for them to come off of medications like that. Um, because it, it, like oh massive withdrawal, so think about that when you're when you're on multiple different things. You know, uh, painkillers, and you're taking Xanax, and you're taking, uh, I don't know if you did they coke know. or not, but my husband mm-hmm. or my ex husband was into all that stuff, and so, um, like withdrawing from so many different things that have so many different side effects from them and and like even the meth alone changing your brain chemistry and and like screwing up your your neurological Mm -hmm. system like a hundred percent altogether and then trying to withdraw from all that at once how fucked up you would be
1: you know it's even harder for like yourself and like what we went through watching the withdrawals Mm -hmm. I feel like than even the person who's going through it oh yeah because when he would get like he was out of everything and mm-hmm. didn't get his check until like the 3rd of the month
2: mm-hmm. and he
1: knew he had a couple weeks to go. I mean the vomiting, the smells, the uh-huh. c- couldn't get in the shower, just mm-hmm. it was it was putrid, Janet.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's that's why I said again like for everything that you grew up in Um, And, and still your mom and your grandparents trying to, you know, make it so that you have a semblance of a normal Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and then, you know, going through all of those struggles and those trials and coming out the other side to be so strong and so independent and such a loving person Mm -hmm. because you give out so much to the universe of, of what you were not getting when you were younger. Thank so you. So I think it's a beautiful thing.
1: And I, I love talking to people like yourself who have been through it mm-hmm. because you can get to a point where you're a little bit bitter or a little bit skeptical of people or you look for the worst in people or you're not very trusting. Like, right. you know, I've been through all this and now I'm jaded or... I feel slighted in life or I on top of everything else, they would bully me in high school because the five days a month I showed up, they were like this fucking trailer trash bitch and her fucking nasty Goodwill clothes and her understand fucking, <laughs> her fucking budget lunches and she because mm-hmm. obviously I was that kid who never had to pay for lunch or whatever d- mm-hmm. the discount and they'd be like you and you fill in the blank right gross and all this stuff and so i kind of grew up feeling a little bit worthless from kids my age right but people older than me who had already graduated like my older cousins and my mom and my aunts and stuff i would just talk to them all the time so i'm kind of like an old soul in that way where same. i didn't never have friends my age
0: ever same Mm -hmm. yeah same thing and and it is you know kids are so just mean but if you think about it adults are the same way
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And people have heard me say this multiple times but women are the cattiest nastiest bitchiest people on the planet and it reminds me of those school kids because it's like oh, look at what you're wearing did you get that at goodwill blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And, yeah. oh my god like you don't get your nails done you don't get your hair in it. Right. Like, <sighs> or or
1: they and they pick the stupidest things to like pick on me over like oh mm-hmm. you didn't get a new flute all ours are brand new right out of the box and it's just like yeah My box smells like mold. My fucking flute's dented in. Like, I don't give a shit, because I can still play better than all y'all bitches. That's why I'm first seat, motherfucker. So (laughs) play your little fucking brand new flute.
0: I love you. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I just kind of... um. I want to give out as much love as I possibly can, Mm -hmm. because when I was going through that stuff at school, I would have loved to have met me and been friends with me, the me that I am right now. Right. Because I'm that person for everybody else. I'll be like, you're fucking amazing and I love you Mm -hmm. and you can do anything and you're capable. You have the potential of the universe inside of you. And I just wish I could have met me as a kid, you know, so. Exactly. I do
0: that for other people. And look at how funny I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the shit. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I am the same way. And I completely identify with what you're saying on that because I was the same way in school. Oh, my God. I got picked on something awful because we didn't have a lot of money. And my mom made our clothes or... Mm-hmm we would get hand-me-downs that were hand-me-downs that were hand-me-downs or whatever so we didn't have the fancy shit or none Mm -hmm. of that stuff and you know whatever but let me ask you this so have you ever or did you ever consider yourself a victim in anything that happened to you
1: never ever same never ever
0: do you I feel thought, like I it... got
1: disappointed in myself because I knew I could do better?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like um, it had to happen to grow you into who you are now?
1: I wouldn't take back a excuse me. I wouldn't take back a goddamn thing. Same. I do it all over again. I would do it five more times to be the person I am right here today. Mm -hmm. i would do it a million more times because i feel like i've done this i have lived many lifetimes i'm sure i've been reincarnated like 65 million times i'm sure i've been a dude at some point i've been (laughs) i've been a dog i've been a toad i was just gonna
0: say yeah uh, i think you were the dog who was running through the field earlier
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes i've done it all i've seen it all this ain't no new shit
2: mm-hmm.
1: i would just say you know maybe in my last lifetime i was a real asshole and so in this lifetime i had to learn some shit about myself mm-hmm. and I, all i am continually learning stuff about myself in this <laughs> lifetime it's like i'm ready to ascend motherfucker <laughs> like, this be the last time i go through
2: this
0: you know and i think the the wonderful thing about it is when you go through stuff like that learning the lessons and learning what kind of person you are and how strong you are
1: yeah
0: it, 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 some people will go through life and they always put that victim label on themselves Ugh, which yeah. always keeps you in the same it and it's you'll a shame, never grow and, it, and you never learn
1: it's a shame it's a it shame it is because you can learn so many beautiful things about yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: by by getting rid of that I was I was in juvenile delinquent lockup and still <laughs> found something to laugh about like I have never thought like oh I'm in the, uh, I was like y'all let me watch tv and bring me fruit cups <laughs> I'm
0: good. Like, I have a great. bed.
1: Yeah. I have a blanket. <laughs> That's all I need. And then a couple of times my mom would come and visit me and we'd, you know, talk. And she'd be like, I'm so sorry. And I'd be like, I'm actually fine. Like they make this sound so bad, but it's actually not that bad. And she was like, okay, as long as you're all right. And I was like, I'm fine. Um. Now, if I went to big person jail, it probably wouldn't be as pleasant of an experience, especially with them letting females in with other females and mm-hmm. i don't see now that's a whole nother story and i can't mean, comment he, on that you because, mean
0: females
1: right I, I i wouldn't be want to be locked up with one of those motherfuckers but <laughs> um so i can't speak on that but i can speak on my experience and it wasn't that bad it was a really another time for me to stop everything and kind of reassess mm-hmm. the situation and then and just um,
0: breathe.
1: Right. Yeah. And I have to tell you, Janet, I was never like that pretty girl in high school. And God knows, like, that's what all I wanted to be was like, I'll tell you, everybody has one. Mine was named Sydney. And I'd be like, oh, Sydney's got the perfect hair and Sydney's got the perfect eyes and all the boys want to date Sydney. And um, I was never that person. And I just got to the point in my, especially now that I'm married and I'm so sick of these women out here who put so much stock into how many likes they get on fucking instagram
0: exactly Broody
1: pics and titties out and just disgracing themselves and if you have only fans or something like that it's no disrespect to you if that's how you make money you know get a dollar girl Thank you. I'm no cute. i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but um i just don't put that much value right into those things anymore because my connection with my family and with mm-hmm. God and my, my friends and re- just though that's what I put value in.
2: I, I don't
1: care if my hair is perfectly straight or and I love to take a selfie as much as the next person, but I don't care if I get two likes on that selfie. I, I'm the
0: same way. And, and that's the thing um, I talk about all the time is, is instead of seeking approval from yourself, people tend to seek it from other people constantly. Mm-hmm. And so they have to have those likes or they have to, you know, expose their boobs or their butt mm-hmm. or their hoo-ha or, oh, you know, yeah. whatever, right. you know, and it's like, if they, and it, it's, it's such a factor for so many people nowadays, especially with like uh, depression and anxiety and stuff like that. They have to, feel like oh, they have to have that feedback and if they don't
1: validation. it's
0: destructive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and then they spiral because oh my god nobody liked me oh my god somebody called me fat or they don't like my hair uh i could give a rat's fuck me too. less because me too. i'm happy with me yes you know and i love the person that i am i think i'm i love fantastic.
2: the person you
1: like to, janet well, I love you.
0: Ya. Yeah. Even if I have an OnlyFans. Don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm kidding. for <laughs> a subscriber. But, um, you know, just that, uh, just being so comfortable with yourself that you don't need that from somebody else.
1: I. It's almost like I want to take these little 16 year olds and just shake them and be like, your soul is eternal, but your mm-hmm. body is not. Stop worrying about what fucking kylie jenner's lips look like and start right. wondering what is the last thing you did to help your fellow human what mm-hmm. is the last thing you did in service to humanity right. the whole point of being on this planet is to be of service to other other
0: people yep amen to that What?
1: why are you when you die when you're fucking dirt or when i'm dirt we're all dirt you won't care About that outfit Uh -uh. that you posted on Instagram, you got a thousand likes on, or that reel you posted, or you're gonna the people who show up to your funeral Mm -hmm. are gonna say, She did anything for anybody, she was a living church, she was an angel. She would have taken the shirt off of her back to help somebody.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I want to be like her. What are we gonna say about these little TikTok bitches? She had the (laughs) fattest ass. She always no, but, posted foot pics
2: that
1: I liked. like. What is that? But, like, come it. on, people start working on your hearts, and not your asses. Well,
0: I'm glad I retired from nursing now, uh, so I don't have to be one of the twerking TikTok nurses. Just there. I
1: would have looked at your video, Janet. I would have been twerking right there with you. <laughs> But I mean, it's just it's it's become kind of like a circus in a way, yeah. And and there's so many options on Tinder and you know whatever whatever. There are so many options. You don't even feel like you need to get married anymore. You don't even feel like you have to be faithful or loyal to your husband or your right. your spouse because if it don't work out with him, fuck! I got three guys in my DM right now trying. Let to- me
0: just say. Um, we've been together for a really long time. So I would, we talk about this all the time. Like if, if one of us dies or something, neither one of us would date again because shit is so crazy now. Yes. And I have my person. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that, um, calming comfort, uh, joyous fun relationship where they're your best friend and, you know, whatever. And, and I think relationships now, people are so shallow, kind of like what you were saying. There's so many options. People are so shallow. They don't look for that deeper or they don't work on the deeper connection because, um, we're so into the instant gratification that if it's not really easy right off the bat that we don't care. And we're just like, uh, all right, well, I'll move on to someone else.
1: And think of it like this, Janet. When these little 16-year-olds with their Kylie Jenner lip fillers get to be about 70 years old, you think that person that they finally ended up with is going to get, like... You have to be ready to look at someone and they don't look good to you anymore. But mm-hmm. you are so attracted to their soul. Mm-hmm. They're funny. They know all the stuff you like. You know all the stuff they like. Right. You can sit and talk for hours. Right. You can do stuff together. It's just so fun and natural to be around each other. All this this surface shit. I promise mm-hmm. you. You get in a bad fucking car accident. You want to know that your husband is gonna change your shitty fucking (laughs) diaper
0: we we laugh about that all the time Mm -hmm. like he had we didn't know each other when i had my back surgery
2: um Mm -hmm. and it was
0: probably a good thing because it was to the point where i could not like twist to wipe my butt and so i had to have someone you know wipe my butt uh, literally do everything for me i couldn't shower i couldn't do like anything and uh, <laughs> so i i told him I he could be grateful for that but at the same time i may have maybe at one point or another been a little shit-faced um yeah. in my <laughs> younger years this was a long time ago <laughs> Um like when when we were first together and uh so I I bent over the table or over the toilet to throw up and I shit at the same time <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then I passed out and he cleaned it up. God love him.
1: He's yeah. a trooper <laughs> Yeah see that is forever material that's forever material i'm not you gonna know, say that something similar hasn't happened to me shit faced <laughs> and fucking ran my head into a wall or something like you gotta have that ride or die
0: <laughs> it happens you know sure, sometimes and, you throw
1: up and shit at the same time that's uh, uh, all that
0: it. that is a real thing and if nobody's experienced that before i'm Glad for you. Uh, yeah, sad that's for called me. a total <laughs>
1: evacuation.
0: Get it all out at once so I don't have to get up after I pass out to go.
1: Right. Nice little detox for you, pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you didn't have high hop that night.
0: <laughs> you know what? You know what's awful? Um, the very first time he took me on a date, we, we did like the long distance thing because, um, he was down here in Tennessee and I was in Indiana. So we did that for four years. So the very first time I come down here, he takes me on this date to this really expensive steakhouse. That's like a hundred dollars a plate. And it's like all you can eat meat, whatever, And so um, we get done eating. It was really good. We had a great night. We had a good time together. Anyway, had maybe a couple of alcoholic beverages. Mm -hmm. Get home. This is TMI, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, Doing a little job for Mm -hmm.
1: him. Throw up.
0: Went a little too far. Oh,
1: I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
0: Steak chugs, chicken chunks.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> oh flying.
0: It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I don't do those things anymore. I cannot, <clears throat> I don't drink anymore. Um, haven't for quite a while now, but yeah. Uh, those are the times that you know, uh, that your partner would definitely. Yes. Have your back if you need. Oh yeah,
1: or your front,
0: (laughs) (laughs) or both ends at once. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's awesome. And tell your husband he's a fucking
2: trooper. He's a thug.
0: You know what? He's a thug. You know what's funny though? He's like a mini me. I -hmm. mean, him and I are like I identical twins we have the same sense of humor yes we're both the same level of weirdo
1: yeah
0: like everything about us is absolutely identical and i cannot imagine you know how they always say opposites attract i cannot imagine being with somebody that's opposite of me
1: yeah no zachary and i are i would say pretty much similar on every front except for the conspiracy thing because he mm-hmm. was just not raised like that mm-hmm. and um what i will say is when i present him with something if i can give him some facts or right. something factual to look at he'll be like okay you have a point so mm-hmm. it's not like he's not uh, supportive and he is very supportive of my mm-hmm. podcast and he'll like help me with anything i need help with but i have to hit him with the right in the right kind of way with it or else right he'll be like come on mm-hmm. um
0: because
1: i can't just go up to him and be like the earth is flat like he's got he's gonna need to see something that's like,
0: <laughs> that
1: he, he, he needs to be aware of like simple explanations mm-hmm. and i i almost think that it challenges me a little bit mm-hmm. in my own research
0: right and it's because he's very analytically minded yes he is so he's like my husband, um, which uh, he is like me now. Um, but before it was like, oh come on, that's not yeah. like not true or whatever. And mm-hmm. now he's like fully on board with that. Yeah, but I'm you have funny. to, you have to show like the facts and supporting evidence yeah. and and, and why. the why. why why is very
1: important yes the why he'll he'll even look at like a lot of little factoids and he'll be like but why so i have to explain like with the pedophile thing i'll be like you know what a serial killer is right ted bundy for example okay Mm -hmm. super nice guy was involved in politics Mm -hmm. good looking he was gonna he was in law school Mm -hmm. got a women slaughtered him and fucked him now, take Ted Bundy, give him limitless amounts of money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: limitless amounts of secrecy and privacy and people covering your tracks. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the point where it's just not doing it for you anymore. You don't want to necrophile anymore. You don't want to just have a couple random girls or you you want them a little younger or a little mm-hmm. younger or a little young. That's why mm-hmm. there's there. There's nothing holding them to any type of accountability right they have they think they're gods in a way
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this is like a religion to them right and if i break it down to him like that he's like okay but who are they and then right away he he was like i said jeffrey epstein and it, that's the easy one to mm-hmm. get people on board with and mm-hmm. he was like okay okay maybe there's something to it and then like the flight logs and like
0: peter Nygaard. uh, uh mm-hmm. Yeah, who's the guy that owns Virgin Records? Virgin Records.
1: I, I did. I showed him like the Comet Ping Pong stuff, which mm-hmm. is fucking true, and all that James Alfontes stuff. Mm-hmm. And it when you start presenting information like that, he's like, "Okay, that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Why is he posting that stuff on social media? What are these code words like? What is all this?" And I'm like, "Because."
2: Mm -hmm. They
1: tell you What they're doing Like when Cher That video She said my mom told me to grow up and marry a rich man And I said mom I am a rich man And then we see a video of her Back in like the 70s With a freaking dick flopping around in her pants Mm -hmm. Why don't you just come (laughs) out and say it Cher
0: That was back in my Era Sonny and Share was a big thing.
1: <laughs> my mom loved Sunny and Cher
0: <laughs> when I was growing yeah. up. Hmm. I mm-hmm. may have dated myself a lot then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you look perfectly young and beautiful. You have a youthful spirit about uh,
0: you. That I I would say childish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Good for me. Mm-hmm. So, my dear, um, If you had to leave people with one positive takeaway from this, what would it be?
1: The first thing I would say is no matter what kind of situation you're in, you're not a victim. You just haven't figured it out yet.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: you will. And when you do, act on it. Don't fucking wait around for a couple more months or a couple more years and wait till it get better.
0: Amen to that.
1: Just strike when the iron's hot, motherfucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wise words from Julia. Yes. <laughs> you heard them here first. Yes. Uh, it has been such a absolute pleasure chit-chatting with you. Thank you, I'm, I'm so, uh, blessed beyond belief that I got to meet you, um, and get to know you now because I just, I love you.
2: (laughs) I love you too. I love you too.
0: So, um, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Deplorable Nation and for me and for Julia. We'll see you next time. Everybody have a good day.